This is Channel 253. Move to Tacoma. On this episode of Move to Tacoma. Before I owned a co-working space, I, I worked in some co-working spaces as well, and that's the way I looked at it. And I definitely, I think my desk was, you know, 350 a month. And I definitely, just by virtue of getting out of the house, would yeah. make an extra $350 in phone calls. Totally. Which turned into sales. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Practicing physical distance, not social. I'm Marguerite, and I want you to move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. You'll like it. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Dot com. Hi, I'm Marguerite with MoveToTacoma.com, and I'm here today with Chris and Sheila from the Pioneer Collective. Hi, Chris and Sheila. Hi. Hi. And we're actually set up in one of your conference rooms. Producer Doug schlepped all of his audio equipment to downtown. How, is this your first time in downtown since the plague, Doug? It's my first time in downtown ever, since, since people's was over. <laughs> <laughs> You're so old school, Doug. I know. But we are here today, uh, masks on, windows open, um, doing an IRL podcast. So thank you for hosting us so that we can have this conversation. Sure. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's exciting to have you here. So Pioneer Collective is a local like Pacific Northwest co-working space. And you just opened in Tacoma, I want to say like, what, a year and a half ago, two years ago? June of 2019. Yep. Well, one of the things I'm, I'm super curious about right now is how folks in Tacoma are running their businesses and maintaining in the midst of the pandemic. So I, I think most folks know what co-working is, but in your own words, how would you describe Pioneer Collective and how, what it is that you offer folks? Sure. So we um, really are focused on small businesses, um, freelancers, folks in general who are striking out on their own, uh, often for the first time. So that may mean striking out on their own by taking a remote job. Um, that's always been part of our bread and butter. It's obviously a much more common scenario now as you know, people who never thought they'd be a displaced remote worker are kind of coming to terms with a whole year. The honeymoon you know, phase has worn off. They have right. kids at home. So that you know, has always been the type of customer that, that comes to us typically after about six months to 12 months of working from home. Now, obviously the pandemic uh, provides some challenges because we can't just take everybody that comes through the door. We have very strict uh, occupancy requirements. We're actually going above and beyond what the state regulations, the county regulations are, and we can get into that later. But really what we provide is uh, a community, both in a very literal sense for those those freelancers, those entrepreneurs, uh, people who who work in an otherwise fairly you know lonely day to day existence, where mm -hmm. it would just be them and their laptop and maybe some virtual coworkers, uh, they can come here and have you know real world coworkers. They can you know share uh, best practices. They can commiserate. They can just have lunch with somebody more like you would in a in a more traditional office environment. Um, and on top of that, we also, by virtue of the way the uh, a co-working space, all co-working spaces are set up, you get additional access to additional amenities and services by pooling resources with other entrepreneurs and, and solopreneurs and, and freelancers. 
<coughs> that uh, you otherwise, otherwise wouldn't be able to. So things like a nice boardroom like this, mm -hmm. um, things like a big uh, uh, kitchen and coffee bar. Typically, you would see those amenities in you know a medium to large size company's office, but they'd be out of reach for a company of one to four people. Because we pool our resources here and you use those resources only when you need them, we're able to stretch that dollar a lot uh, farther and in turn, you just have access to those things um, you know, on a budget as low as $75 a month up to you know, $1,000 a month mm -hmm. for a private office. It's really striking to me uh, how professional and like, fancy everything is here. Like you say, like pooling resources so you get access to more stuff. Like when I first moved downtown, I uh, rented a space in a co-working, a small co-working space that's no longer in existence called Suite 133. And I was there for a year and a half and that was incredibly formative, not just because it was nice to have an office downtown in a place I could never afford to rent an office, but because like I built this network of colleagues and coworkers, you know, yeah. that I never would have connected with. And Eric, who uh, is our co-founder with uh, Channel 253, Doug, like he was someone that I connected to in that space. And mm -hmm. I think like co-working has like such benefits beyond giving you four physical walls. It's like, it's your network. And so many people when they're relocating to Tacoma, like they'll ask me like, so where am I gonna make friends? And I'm like, right, friends. Um, <laughs> isn't that interesting? And co-working, like to find your work friends is actually like a real opportunity. Yeah. I think we talk a lot too about, yeah, those intangible benefits of co-working where, you know, you, it's hard to kind of put a value on just kind of being able to get out of the house and, be around other people, be in yes. a space, I think that is inspiring too, and that you feel productive in. I think for right now, a lot of people are in kind of, you know, it's a hard for your mental headspace to kind of get in the zone when you're working from home and you have all these distractions. So totally. just having, yeah, a space that you feel like you can be productive in, you can get really focused work in, while at the same time, you know, getting co to connect with other it's interesting you mentioned transplants because they tend to, we tend to have a disproportionate number of transplants join our co-working spaces. And I think the big reason for that is if you, if you imagine um, somebody who would be working from home, if they already have a, a group of friends and a network in a city, then it's easier to do that for a longer period of time. If you're just moving to town and your home is now your office, it's your yeah. living space, it's your relax, mm -hmm. relaxing space, you're not going out and meeting anybody. And that's doubly true right now. There's absolutely no opportunity for social interaction. Mm -hmm. So we kind of find that they are the most eager customers <laughs> after you know one or two months doing that in a new yeah. city and a yeah. new job working from home. And we find that our staff ends up being not only a connector in that networking sense, but Hey, where's a great place to get my hair cut? Uh, you know, totally. where do you recommend I go out mm -hmm. on a date night? That sort of thing. We sort yeah. of become the, the hub that connects people with, you know, all types of businesses and services in the area um, just because they don't have that network and they're, they're new to town and it's difficult to find that um, in sort of the modern, you know, work environment. Well, one thing that you just said, Chris, that, that struck me um, is that the honeymoon is over with working at home. 
And for me, I, I've been self-employed for 15 years. I hate working at home. Like, I hate working at my dining room table. I am not good at it. Like, my home is my rest place. I have terrible work-life balance and boundaries anyway. So, like, <laughs> if I can just close the door and know that all I'll ever do from home is emails, like, that would make me so happy. And when COVID hit, it was like, that's over. Like, I, I had to order a stand-up desk. I had to do all these things. And I'm like, I cannot wait to get back into the process of just walking out of my house and having that transition time to a workplace and having that transition time back from a workplace. I spend a zillion dollars on internet in my house and somehow my Zoom is still effed up when I'm <laughs> recording. Like I never know why that is. And you know, I know from being here, you guys have fancy internet here. What do you have? You have? Uh, we have, uh, our primary internet is a, a fiber gigabit uh, fiber dedicated gigabit. circuit. Can you imagine, Doug? <laughs> no. Your Zooms would never be effed if you had fiber. <laughs> But I mean, like that's, a, I know that seems probably like a small thing, but like that's so huge to just know that like my work calls aren't gonna be clunky and interrupted. I'm gonna be able to upload and download all my video files and everything I need. Like that's something that, you know, we kind of took for granted when we were working in offices and now we're home going like, oh crap. You know, also like yeah. I remember when I first came in this morning, you're like, oh, if you just want some sparkly water or some tea or coffee, I'm like, oh God, there's drinks, thank God. Like just some, one less thing you have to think about in one way, like you're being sort of taken care of as you get things done. And I, I think for those of us that just do not love working at home, co-working is such a great middle step even before we go back to the office. Definitely. I yeah. think that element of like service and making sure that members feel like their experience here is seamless and that everything is kind of just taken care of is important, especially for TPC. It's just something we want yeah. to make sure. And I think a lot of people are coming to the realization that work from home as an option is great. I think everybody can benefit from, you know, one day at home when they've been in the office all week or all month when it becomes something that's imposed on you because your company is no longer investing in any real estate yeah. and they just say that is your option. Yeah. Now it feels more like it's less of a perk and more of almost a drawback and, and mm -hmm. something that um, is a challenge that now you have to work around. You have to figure out where in your, your home to carve out office space. If you have to take a, a meeting with a client, now you're trying to find a third party you know provider for yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So... That'll be interesting to see how, uh, if there's any pushback from the workforce, you know, when it is safe to go into the office again for these thousands of workers who are going to realize like, hey, it was kind of nice to have that, you know, in-person face-to-face uh, -face contact with my coworkers. Mm -hmm. And now we don't even have the opportunity to do that. And so mm -hmm. we hope that means that they're going to, that companies are going to realize, hey, we cut back too far and maybe a nice interim step is to reach out to operators like the Pinder Collective, like Union Club, yeah. like Surge, like Traction mm -hmm. Space, Beaker Collaborative, and say, hey, that can be our third place where we can still get together for a workshop with our team. We can still yeah. you know, have a recruiting event, um, but, but enjoy the cost benefits of a distributed team and not pay for a, a big headquarters okay. that we have to operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. I would think, particularly in Tacoma, I think the last time I saw the stat, it said like 40% of the Pierce County workforce commutes outside the county mm -hmm. for work. And it's like, if, I mean, some of us, we, we don't, you know, we won't ever have the option to be completely out of the office. So I, there's that stat that says that 40% of the Pierce County workforce commutes out of the city. And for people that might not have the option, you know, obviously they have to keep doing that drive. But 
to have the option of like, okay, I still work at Amazon, but now instead of driving all the way to downtown Seattle, I'm gonna, you know, take the link or I'm gonna walk 20 minutes and be at the Pioneer Collective or one of the other downtown clerking offices. Like that, that middle step seems like such a huge opportunity. When I think about, you know, we, we've been talking to different business owners about what it's like to run a business in a pandemic. And I'm really curious, like what has been the impact on coworking and, and how, do you, how do you find yourselves like adjusting your offerings in order to support the, the change in demand? It, I mean, it's hard to overstate, I think, how much coworking was affected, especially early on in March. I mean, it pretty much decimated our industry mm -hmm. and any operators that were either, you know, over leveraged, big expanding, uh, high growth companies mm -hmm. kind of toppled right away if mm -hmm. they weren't sufficiently capitalized. And a lot of independents, unfortunately, were in the same boat, especially mm -hmm. if their landlord, landlords or asset owner, business, building owner partners weren't willing to have those conversations yeah. to try to make them sustainable so they'd survive on the back end. We were in a very fortunate position in that the way that we typically go out and structure, you know, not to get too in the weeds, but for example, on this building, we're more on the same side of the deal with the building ownership. They reached out to us. We have sort of a hybrid lease partnership where mm -hmm. when we do well, they do well, they get more, you know, <laughs> more money from us. And, but when things get tough, our obligations are quite a bit lower. So we were able to weather this storm because our, uh, our biggest expense, which is rent, was, um, you know, adjusted proportionally to how much revenue was coming in. So that seems like probably a unique situation. It is. It's, it's becoming more, more um, common in our industry. And it's something that operators have been trying to push for a long time because mm -hmm. there's benefits to both sides of that uh, arrangement. There wasn't a lot of incentive for commercial real estate uh, owners to have that conversation before when they were filling buildings at yep. you know record rates. Now it seems like every conversation's on the table. So I'm uh, curious because you have multiple locations. You're not just in Tacoma. You're also in um, Seattle. Yeah, we have two locations in Seattle. One is about to open, and our flagship opened in 2015. So how is the leasing experience different in Tacoma than in Seattle? I mean, obviously there's a lot more demand for commercial space in Seattle in general. Maybe not during the pandemic, <laughs> but how is it building a relationship with the building owner? here in Tacoma different than in Seattle? I actually have no idea because we, so uh, John Hunt with Courthouse Square mm -hmm. cold called us. Oh, really? In late 2018, we came down, we saw the building and uh, my wife, Audrey and I have always, the, the main reason we even got into this industry was really for a love of old buildings yeah. and trying to uh, participate in adaptive reuse and activating old buildings. And so we fell in love with this building as soon as we walked in and then we saw the other companies they had operating in here like uh, in Rama and Liftbridge Coffee and Outpost, uh, the deli, the event space. Um, and we, we said, we should try to make this work. I mean, we, that coupled with the time we spent in Tacoma, we, we just immediately, there was sort of this visceral reaction that this would be a good fit for the Pioneer Collective. That's awesome. Um, so it's not like you explored all of no, Tacoma. No, so I have no idea. I have no idea what, I mean, my, my um, assumption is that, well, I actually have no idea. I'm not going to speak to that <laughs> because, yeah, we, we, uh, we only talked to one group here and um, 
you know, we, I can talk about uh, how it is, you know, filling space uh, for kind of those smaller, you know, one to four, or one to eight person teams. Mm -hmm. um, and that differs a little bit between uh, Tacoma and Seattle. I think there's some, mm -hmm. some key differences in the types of customers we attract in both markets. Um, but as far as the overall commercial real estate scene, I really, I really can't speak to that. Well, who would you say is your ideal customer, like 2021 in this new paradigm, like who do you think is going to be happiest at Pioneer Collective right now? Who do you think maybe isn't considering co-working or, or, or leasing an office in a co-working space? Like who, who, who are you speaking to right now that maybe doesn't know they're your customer? That, that's the key, the key uh, question right there. It's, there's this whole potential new market mm, yeah. where, you know, it used to be look over here, we're the best co-working space out of these five co-working spaces. Yeah. Now it's, now that, now the conversation is, this is what co-working is. <laughs> yes. Here's why it fits what you're doing. Yeah. Go look at all of these co-working spaces and yeah. like, here's how we differentiate and we hope you end up here. So it's, there's a lot of awareness uh, building that we need to do um, to reach out to that. You know, we call them the newly displaced remote workers. Mm. Our, our, one of the goals that we have on our calendar is to figure out how to get to the decision makers that are one level up. Because mm -hmm. we it's we usually find we resonate with the individual. The key is, you know, hey, if your team leader has four people driving from Tacoma to Bellevue every day, we need to get them to uh, approve some budget to set up a remote office totally. here so that four days a week, totally. you know, I mean, just what they're spending on gas would probably fund yeah. the monthly. <laughs> exactly, and, and employee morale. I mean, yeah. you, you've seen the traffic going, uh, you know, mm -hmm. to Seattle in the morning and back in the afternoon. Nobody, you know, your employees are going to be a lot happier if they can stay within a few miles of home and there's environmental benefits. So that's sort of our holy grail is how do we get to that decision maker at some of these co companies um, and convince them to make a small investment it's flexible. There's no long-term commitment. Yeah. So they can spin up almost a, a pilot office and see how it works. And then, you know, hopefully invest longer term in the Tacoma market and, and grow here. So. Yeah, I agree. That. Yeah. So when I, when I first co-worked downtown, I think I, it was like $300 a month was like a flat rate or something. And I, and I saw mostly the same people every day. And then there were some drop-in folks. My relationship with co-working since then has been almost entirely drop-in. So it's like 25 or 30 bucks a day, or I buy a punch card for 10 visits and I kind of go when I need to go. But there's a lot of other offerings between monthly and, you know, punch card style. Like, what do you guys, how is, you, how is your setup structured here? Like, what are the different ways people can engage with co-working here? Yeah, so I think we try to provide just a huge, you know, spectrum, like Chris said, from $75 to $1,000 a month. Because there really are kind of two, you know, extremes. There's the individual, like Chris talked about, the person who's just you know, looking for space for themselves, and then there's more of a team or a corporation that maybe wants to open a satellite office in Tacoma, mm -hmm. based in Seattle. So we um, start with our community memberships um, and provide part-time and full-time options. So if you do just wanna come in a couple days a week, um, that option is there for you. And then a step above that is a dedicated desk. Oh, so. Okay. 
if you want to bring in a monitor, if your, you know, if your workspace just isn't just a lean like laptop setup, you might need, you know, a double monitor or want mm -hmm. to store stuff. The dedicated desk is a great option where you don't have to commit to a full private office suite, but you can still have, you know, dedicated space that's yours that you come to every day. Um, and then private offices is kind of that final tier of. And you said it was 75 to 1,000, so like 75 is like a part-time um, monthly commitment, and then the, how much is it for a, a fixed desk? That is 395. 395, mm -hmm. and then if you want an office, that's just basically from that 400 to 1,000, depending on the size of the office kind yeah. of thing. And that's typically, uh, you know, you're seeing teams invest in those private offices. Mm -hmm. We do have a long-term goal of building some smaller offices. There are some economic challenges with um, how much you have to spend on HVAC and electrical and all of that. Oh, yeah. It's hard to hit the price point for a one-person office, but there's a ton of demand for it, as um, is probably you know not very surprising right now. There's a lot of people who, especially with the concerns around COVID, mm -hmm. a one-person private office is very, I think, desirable. attractive and yeah. desirable. Uh, the other thing we, the other way we offer to engage, though, is just on an a la carte basis. So we, mm -hmm. uh, uh, pr about 30% of our pre uh, pandemic revenue came from just bookings. So groups coming in to either book productions or meetings or workshops or, you know, we'd have artists who would teach, you know, a painting class or, you know, somebody uh, filming a training video, that sort of thing. So you can rent various rooms and not be a full-time member or a mm -hmm. part-time member at the Piner Collective and just do that on an a la carte basis. Um, you can also host events in our, our great room. So there's a lot of different ways uh, a lot of products and services um, that we offer, and mm -hmm. we, we find that typically a customer, you know, might be a fit for uh, for one offering early on in their career or in their venture, yeah. and then they sort of move into, you know, a different offering mm -hmm. um, as they grow or as their business grows. So people shouldn't feel shy about reaching out and saying, like, so I need to shoot some videos. Do you have a space on this weekend? Or I want to have a meeting with a couple of other people. Like, do you have anything available? Like, you guys are like, yeah, you're, you're willing to talk to people on that one-off basis. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. I think we try to remind people, like, you don't have to be a member to um, use the space. And I think as being accessible at all ends of the financial spectrum, too, because we've been there, we've been... Uh, early entrepreneurs with, mm -hmm. you know, barely two quarters to rub together. We know that it's a big investment even at $75 a month. Um, so we, you know, if somebody comes to us and they say, hey, I can get value out of this, we'll usually have that conversation and find a way to get them in here at, uh, you know, a price that, that fits for them. That's awesome. Um, because we find that some of our most engaged community members started at that five day a month. Mm. And on the five days that they're here, they're showing up to, you know, member events, they're, you know, talking in the Slack channel, mm -hmm. they're, you know, attending workshops, that sort of thing. So we want to make sure that it's not just something that's accessible to established, you know, uh, businesses and entrepreneurs that have, you know, steady revenue coming in. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was starting out, like writing that check every month for coworking, it was so hard. And yet when I look back on it, like, Everything that became possible for me, like, really was born out of the cross-pollination that was happening in that space. Like, it's, it's important, you know, to, and it's awesome that you guys create options for people that maybe can't make that commitment right off the bat. I think one thing that Sheila and, and Jamie and our, our staff always um, 
tries to, to uh, communicate as a value proposition is you know, take the membership tier that you're looking at and now imagine, are you going to get an extra $150 of productivity by virtue of being right. here next month? And if right. so, then that's, it's going to pay for itself and anything extra is gravy. If not, then maybe go down a tier. But totally. if we've done that, then we've done our job and you know, provided that value for that money. And before I owned a co-working space, I, I worked in some co-working spaces as well, and that's the way I looked at it. And I definitely, I think my desk was, you know, three fifty a month, and I definitely, just by virtue of getting out of the house, would yeah. make an extra three hundred fifty dollars in phone calls, totally. which turned into sales um, and, and paid for it for me. So. Mm-hmm. Well, Doug is reminding me that we need to take a break, so let's go ahead and pause, and we'll be right back. This is Doug Mackey, producer at Channel 253 and proud Alaska Airlines frequent flyer. What are you excited about in 2021? For me, it's travel. Doesn't that sound amazing right now? I spent most of 2020 looking at the same four walls in my studio, so I'm more excited than ever to get out and see the world. I want to sit in a coffee shop in some new city and read a book, or visit a museum, or visit archaeological sites like Tikal in Mexico. Ugh, it feels so good to think of these things. I know there's a lot to get through before some of that will happen. But where last year it was hard to think more than a week in advance, I have the confidence to actually start planning some vacations now. And that's where Alaska Airlines comes in. I'm not going to the travel sites. I go directly to alaskaair.com and book my travel because I want great customer service and direct flights to my favorite destinations. I also trust Alaska to keep me safe during travel right now. Their standards for social distancing and reduced touch travel are incredibly high. So if you're excited as I am about getting out to see the country, or you have to travel for essential work right now, start with Alaska. Do what I do and skip the travel sites and visit alaskaair.com to book your next flight. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, for taking me where I want to go in 2021, and thank you for your support of Channel 253. Right, we're back. So we've been talking with Chris and Sheila from the Pioneer Collective co-working in downtown Tacoma. And, um, you know, one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you guys is because I'm just, I'm really concerned about small businesses in Tacoma surviving the plague. You know, my favorite restaurant, Pacific Grill, has just closed. I think that was a real wake-up call to everyone. And um, I'm really curious, like, what kind of support are you getting and what kind of support do you need? I mean, from the community, but also, you know, from, you know, the different institutional, governmental entities that are here to support us. Like, how is it going? I would say, all in all, I mean, given the monumental challenges that any brick and mortar uh, business is facing right now, uh, and I can contrast this with our experience in Seattle and King County, Mm. Tacoma and Pierce County have been great with their communication, with the accessibility of some of the programs they've, they've rolled out. Um, you know, and I also I mean, I want to talk candidly that we have taken advantage of or tried to take advantage of almost every program. And I think there's almost a hesitancy of business owners to talk about that. They oh, feel yeah. like it's a, it's a handout. And, and I actually would like to contrast that. I look at it almost as compensation for artificially shutting down your revenue streams for the good of 
the whole of the collective. It's, mm -hmm. it's, to me, it's more of an eminent domain situation where they want to build an airport, you know, in your field. Well, you're getting paid for that. We're yeah. getting paid to stay home and turn away customers. So I would encourage business owners to look at it that way. You know, if you, if you can and you think it's going to get you to that next point and you think, it, you know, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, go out and apply for these grants, apply for these loans, let it bridge you to the post-pandemic you know, reality and then get back on your feet. I think it's interesting because there is kind of a stigma, I think, not just in like PPP money, but like, is your business okay? Like part, like what the joke in real estate is like, in order to be successful, you must project an image of success at all times. And it's kind of true, like people want to work with people who have it together. But I also think that right now, everybody knows that nobody fully has it yeah. together. And that's why these support mechanisms exist. And the other thing is, is like as business owners, like talking to each other, trying to figure out, you know, what, what programs have you heard about? Like, what are you taking advantage of? Like, I just had a conversation last night with a colleague about PPP and like, you know, how is that going? Are you going to have to repay anything? Like these are all, I mean, I, d I would have never even imagined something like PPP existing 12 months ago. So when you say that it's gone pretty well in Pierce County compared to King in Seattle, and we're definitely not going to trash chat King in Seattle. I think that's enough. I think it's sufficient what you just said. But like, what does that look like for you as a business? Like, sure. how has that unfolded? How do you even know what things to apply for? So from day one, uh, the Office of Economic Development uh, with the city of Tacoma reached out to us. And we went into City Hall. We met with them. I think they had a particular interest in the Pioneer Collective because, not in our business itself, but because we're a hub for other businesses. Yes. So we could be a, a partner in sort of their mission of bringing you know, economic prosperity to the city. Well, and you're so visible. Like you're right here downtown at the post office. I mean, like people would notice if you were gone. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So, um, so Pat Beard and Gloria Fletcher and Ellen Okowiak, I think. Uh, Apologies if I butchered that, Ellen. <laughs> um, they, Audrey and I met with them um, early and often, and I believe they put out the Make It Tacoma newsletter, and mm -hmm. that has been chock full. Like, if you actually read that newsletter every week, it is really dense with accurate information about grant programs, loan programs, et cetera. Um, so the first one that we uh, applied for and qualified for was called the Pierce County uh, rollback relief grant. So if you remember back in, I think late summer, um, we were still under the old Inslee, you know, phased, yeah. uh, reopening approach and they rolled it back from 1.5 to one or, right, or maybe they went right. either way. A lot of businesses as has been, um, sort of the, the, the pattern throughout the whole pandemic, you make a bunch of investments, then yep. the rules change and you're sort of stuck scrambling, spending more money. Yep. So you're doing, we always say we do three times the work for half the revenue. <laughs> and I think that probably resonates with a lot of other small business owners, especially brick and mortar business owners. Anyway, Pierce County uh, reimbursed uh, half of those CapEx expenses up to, I think like $15,000, $10,000, yeah. So we, we did a bunch of programming changes and physical changes which required us fabricating you know, partitions and making uh, air handling upgrades and that sort of thing. Right. I was noticing on your website, like you did like HEPA filters and different changes to your HVAC and like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So they, they, they um, then reimbursed, I think 50% of that. So we were able wow. to pay our vendors um, and have that subsidized uh, 
by the county. And the county is getting the money to give you for that. It's not like coming out of our road budget. Like they have federal CARES money that they are supposed to be getting to businesses. Like yeah. that's what the money is for. Yeah, so right? Congress allocated the money, I believe, and then the county is able to uh, create the program and, and uh, allocate it as they see fit. And it seemed like they did a great job. So the county it. created the program, and then Tacoma Economic Development sent it out in their newsletter and basically yep. said, hey, guys, like you should really apply for this. Exactly. That's what this is for. OK, yeah. that's cool. What else have you found? They, the county also did a commercial rent mortgage payment assistance program. Oh. So they paid for small businesses up to, I think if you were a brick and mortar, they paid up to three months of rent up to a certain threshold. Mm -hmm. um, and that was in Q4 of... 2020. So and that's a big deal, depending, you know, if you have a, a large footprint, that can be the oh, difference yeah. between being in the red and in the black mm -hmm. uh, for the month. Um, and they all, the city of Tacoma just launched a, I, I'm terrible at remembering the names of these Resurgence programs, the small business resurgence loan, which mm -hmm. is a, you know, low interest rate up to $25,000 loan. I think it's, you know, a couple basis points more than the prime rate. So really low, um, loan to businesses in you know certain affected categories so i think restaurants are eligible mm -hmm. uh, live entertainment venues everything that's been really uh hit since march um and i don't know i don't think they've made any determinations for that yet but it's still open as far as i know and there's still funds available for that so what did you read amongst like with the relationships you have with other business owners yeah. in Tacoma? Like what is your read on how much people are taking advantage of these? I mean, several of these programs I haven't heard of before. Um, what did, do you think your, your fellow business owner friends like know about this stuff and are, are tapping into it? I think, I think they there do. are. I think there's also maybe um, some collective fatigue yeah. from how how much of a mess like PPP round one was. Oh my gosh. And you know, people spent hours and hours and then a lot of times didn't get money uh, mm -hmm. until, you know, months later or only know. to find out their, yeah. their business owner friend that didn't even really need the money that was just applying just in case got fifty thousand yeah. right. dollars and it's sitting in their bank. Like this was watching that unfold in real time based on how good the business owner's relationship with their personal business banker was. I mean, that was pretty astonishing. Yeah. I think I'm hearing from a lot, a lot of other small businesses, yeah, just the time that it takes yeah. the business owner to fill out all these forms. And I think it's knowing, okay, this is going to take a good majority of my time just keeping up with all of the different loans. But and I do think they've helped. The Tacoma has really geared the support towards small businesses. I think, like... Um, Everyone knows those are the businesses that are being hit the hardest and need support, but it seems like a lot of these loans are specifically like, okay, you have this many employees, you know, they're, yeah. they know that that's who, you know, they're trying to reach. So what is your advice for someone listening who's like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. Like I haven't done anything. Like I tried PPP, got totally flooded and ha have just been kind of hanging on by a thread ever since. Like what is, you talked about the Make It Tacoma newsletter from Economic Development. What are other ways small businesses in Tacoma can plug into some of the support that's in place? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would start by reaching out to the folks at City Hall. That is why they're there. And uh, they're overwhelmed too, but they, they've shown I think throughout this entire uh, plague period that they are uh, you know, willing to put in the extra hours and, and really help people get through this because they realize it's, there's a ton of information, not all of it's accurate, and you know, it's just nice to have 
somebody with the single source of truth that can point you in the right direction. If you are looking at PPP round two and you don't have a relationship with a bank, we switched to a community bank after mm -hmm. the fiasco that was trying to deal with um, a big bank that we <laughs> bank with. Uh, and uh, they actually proactively reached out to us a week before it opened. And we oh, had wow. our loan app done and funded within two days. And his name is David Kaus. He's at Coastal Community Bank. And he's oh. still looking for more um, new clients to set up with PPP. So awesome. feel free to reach out to Sheila or me um, directly and we can make that connection. Um, and then I would say, you know, the good thing about these Pierce County and Tacoma programs, I, I think that uh, probability of success is higher. I, I, I can definitely empathize with people who say, gosh, it takes hours and hours to fill these applications out and it feels like I'm just a drop in the bucket and the odds yeah. of me getting anything in return, it's not an efficient use of my time when I could be focusing on trying to make sure my business survives. But um, these programs in particular, I'd say are, are pretty efficient and seem like the money goes to um, to the businesses that you would hope it would go to in the community. So, yeah, I think um, just looking at your community too in your network, like what organizations are you already a part of, um, or co you know, communities are you a part of, and reaching out to them for resources. Um, we did a, a presentation partnership with the Tacoma Urban League, and oh, they yeah. were kind of doing a series of. Um, presentations just on resources for small business owners, particularly minority owned. And they did a great job. And what I, you know, found from that is that these people were already part of the Tacoma Urban League and mm -hmm. they could, you know, go to that community and then go to this webinar. Um, so I think there's, you know, looking at your network and seeing what other people are offering basically as far as just here's like, you know, loans 101, you know? Yeah. The value of our professional networks has never been higher. <laughs> that, yeah. that information is so essential and weeding through everything that there is so you can get to the stuff that can be really helpful. I think on top of that, too, one thing that we neglected to do for like three months because we were heads down was just yeah. to remain active on social media and oh, yeah. remind people, yeah, we're still here. And, it, and you yeah. can be almost candid, like, yeah, business isn't great, but yeah. it doesn't have to be a, a woe is me. Like, But the cool thing about this city is people come out for local small businesses, Absolutely. mom and pops. And I think it's just important to remind, because not everybody's out walking around all the time. I think it's easy to forget mm -hmm. to, you know, just keep marketing. At some point, things will keep opening up. Spend the time uh, making sure people remember that you're, that you're around. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, Sheila, normally at the beginning of the podcast, I ask about when people move to Tacoma and why. I know Chris yeah. doesn't live in Tacoma. Like, I know you come <laughs> all the time. But Sheila, you're the one that actually lives around here, right? Yes. So when did you move to Tacoma? Did you move here for this job? Yeah, I moved here. I mean, it, the job presented itself first. And then once I spent some time here, so I did um, do the commute for a few months my you know goal was to just feel it out and instantly i was like oh yeah tacoma's awesome i mean coming from seattle i think you just so many people don't know that and i think people in tacoma think that's kind of a good thing too right <laughs> we don't we don't want to share the secret too much but um yeah i i love it and pretty soon after i decided to 
to move. I think it was October of 2019. So, which neighborhood did you choose? I live in the North Slope oh, neighborhood. Yeah. So yeah, I I love the neighborhood. I feel like it's a great residential space area with you know beautiful historic homes, but also just a mix of like, you know, it's so central. You're close to Sixth Ave. You're close to downtown. I just feel like it's a great central walkable neighborhood. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So is that your favorite part about it, the location? Honestly, and yeah, I feel like I walk, as I'm sure many people have, I walk so much more than I ever did. And I feel like that's how, because much of my time in Tacoma has been during the pandemic, it's like, okay, I explore all the different neighborhoods just from walking around. That's awesome. um, Yeah, I think think that's my favorite part about it. Um, Yeah. And how have you made friends in Tacoma since moving cities? I, I mean, honestly, the Pioneer Collective has been huge. I feel like, <laughs> you know, early on when we had community leads, more people working here day to day, I instantly, you know, use, we would hit it off and I use them as kind of a resource, like, who else do you know in Tacoma? Because <laughs> met a lot of people here that had been in Tacoma for a long time. And yeah. I think people who have been in Tacoma for a long time can't stop talking about how great it is. And it was, I was so appreciative of members who had all these, you know, restaurant recommendations. So yeah, that, I would say that was huge. Just already coming to Tacoma with kind of this built-in community. Um, Yeah. And my, my roommate moved shortly after I did from Seattle as Mm -hmm. well. So um, I just think it's visit. I love small businesses as, is no surprise, I'm sure. So just frequenting them, and I feel like it's a lot easier to talk to small business owners here than Mm -hmm. anywhere else and actually develop relationships and then kind of expand on that. So I I found that was helpful, just going to places that I liked and actually talking to the people who work there and asking Mm -hmm. them, you know, what they do for fun. (laughs) You know, I don't know, just... (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So you think you might stick around for a little while? I will. Yes, I think I love it. I mean, especially now I feel I'm happy. Nothing against Seattle. I love Seattle, but I'm happy and I'm in Tacoma during this time just because I just feel like there's so much space to, you know, enjoy being outdoors. And yeah, that's awesome. Well, is there anything I haven't asked you about uh, that co-working life uh, that you want to make sure to talk about? We've dug around in I don't your, think so. I we've think, dug yeah, around I mean, in your, your finances. We've talked about your customers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we're just really looking forward to um, really opening up the best parts of running a co-working space. Yeah. Um, and that is the face-to-face human interaction. And we've, we've really been missing that for, yeah. you know, more than a year now. Um, but, you know, we've made do, made do and I think... Um, the uh, abridged version is still good. There's still a lot to be gained um, by having a membership here. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned a lot of the other spaces in town as well. One of the cool things about our industry is how close-knit the, the operator network is. And, uh, you know, we know that people make decisions based on proximity and, yep. you know, based on maybe uh, industry niche. So, you know, we encourage everyone who's interested in a co-working membership to go out and check out those other spaces around town and really do the rounds and meet people. Um, 
because we we find we we believe that it is a a rising tide uh, mm -hmm. lifts all boats in this industry, and I think this industry has a lot of room for growth in the post-pandemic economy. So, um, yeah. And what's your hope for 2021? Like, if everything could just go, if you could wave a magic wand and everything just goes along a certain way, like, how would things unfold for your for your business this year in Tacoma? I think, like, yeah, just getting back to that point we were in 2019, growing each month and, you know, getting awareness out more and more. I think 2020 just felt a little bit like a pause button. Yeah. And I think, the yeah, just the growth and partnering with more businesses around the area, gearing that up again as people are, you know, they feel like, okay, I can go out in the community and interact yeah. with people even during this time. We can't just pull up and not, not talk to anyone. So yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this building being activated, seeing every table at Enrama full, yeah. being yeah. in a full class at Yoga Wild, like yep. elbow to elbow with somebody on a yoga mat. It's, yes. uh, I'm, uh, I'm in the camp of as soon as I'm vaccinated, I'm, I'll be gladly going to stadiums and, and all of the, all of the Live activities. Live music, that yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah, night yep. market, yeah. Well, hopefully that is where we get this year. We were just talking before you came in, trying to get Doug's mom vaccinated. So one step at a time. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and good luck this year with uh, your business in the pandemic. Thanks Thank for, having, for us. having us. Want to learn more about life in Tacoma? Visit movetotacoma.com. Yeah, she was really funny because she was yeah. like, I feel like I've been really negative. I'm like, you have. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Move to Tacoma as part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, We Art Tacoma, Flounder's Beat Team, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.